Hi, and welcome to another great episode of Lively Fresh Takes. I'm Mike White, and I'm the CEO of Lively Worldwide. And Fresh Takes is a place where we have conversations with innovators and creators in the world of brand and marketing. Today, I'm really excited to invite Caroline Matthews, the COO of Koto Design, a global design agency, and also a personal friend of mine. Let's get stuck straight in and get her on the show. Hi, Caroline. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Mike. It's lovely to see you. Lovely to see you as well. I think I should explain to the, uh, the anybody that's going to watch this that you and I know each other from way back. And so we will probably be smirking and laughing all the way through this. And I apologize. But it's always very difficult to interview somebody that you know very well. <laughs> and I'm very comfortable with as well and have a huge amount of respect for. So, yes. For each other, exactly. Isn't that nice? So, for people that don't know you, um, it's always good to start kind of yourself and a bit of background. It's like, tell us a bit about yourself and and your journey to this amazing position of, you know, being a founder of one of the most successful creative agencies around the globe now. It's ridiculous. When are you going to (laughs) stop? Oh, gosh, yes. When you put it like that, uh, I'm kind of like, uh, who are you talking about? Um, well, uh, so my story, gosh, I've always worked in the creative industry as a non-creative. Um, I have been on client service, business development, um, those types of roles, um, predominantly. So when I say creative, uh, sector, it's advertising, experiential design, and, you know, penultimately now I'm, I find myself here at Koto and it's very much brand, which it feels like this perfect journey that I've been and gone, come back to the absolute core of what I believe creativity and core of what I believe is, um, is the right right place that we should all be focusing when we think about brand and business. Um, I, I, so we, Koto, we started in 2015, uh, super small, as like all startups are, uh, founded in London. Uh, I've got two incredible business partners uh, who are the creative geniuses um, and always just felt that we were going to be Gosh, will we get to 20 people? Will we earn some money? Wouldn't that be lovely? Should we make some really beautiful work? Done. That's That was as big as our goals were, uh, were or as lofty as we wanted our goals to be, I guess, at the start. And yes, we are now eight years on. We're in five cities around the world. We have about 110, 100 uh, employees. Um, and now my role from kind of being absolutely do everything uh, in a, you know, with a small team. I'm now a chief operating officer and work, kind of think, think about it as a, as a group, as a whole. Um, yeah, so that's where I find myself now. That's incredible. And so a little bit more about Koto then is kind of what, how did it, how did you come up with the idea? How did the three of you get together and, and what, what exactly do, does Koto do? Um, how do we get together? I think that is the start of the of the journey, really, before even Koto was was a true idea. Um, and I think it's it's testament to our success. Um, I think we found we worked together. Myself and James worked together. James worked with Joey, uh, and I met Joey fairly early on. And it was very very clear how the three of us 
um, how aligned we were as three indi- very different individuals as well. Um, but, you know, what we believed in, our work ethic, our, you know, our aesthetic values, our, uh, our temperaments, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that just really worked as, as, a, as you could see as a team. Um, we'd always worked for other people. Um, it wasn't that we had sat there many years prior as individuals kind of thinking one day I'm going to have this own business and I'm going to be my own boss. It's something that, um, yes, I had founded a, another company prior to Koto and kind of worked out the challenges and, and kind of tested a lot of stuff in that environment. Um, but it wasn't until the three of us got together and could really just, we could see it or may sound cliche, but could feel it. Um, and having worked in creative world design and Joey and James having um, done some incredible work and had led the Airbnb rebrand and uh, amongst many other things, um, it just felt right that we were at the perfect point to do something together for ourselves, but more importantly, in a way that felt different from what was going on out there. I mean, I'm sure, well, I know every startup has that. What are we going to do different? We can do it different. We've learned from our experience, but we genuinely did feel that um, and just really were like, well, let's just test it out. We're never going to know until we find out. We can't, you know, we can't live in this echo chamber of what we hope or instinctively feel. Let's test it out, which is what we did. Um, and yeah, just took a jump at it. And well, there's a couple of roads I can go down there, but before I kind of go down a bit more about Koto is, you know, this, this podcast is talking about you and your role and, and, and finding yourself and stuff like that. But I just, something we haven't actually talked about, but I think would be interesting for this is the, the fact that it relies on three people collaborating, but you said it yourself is you've got three unique skills there that have uniquely come together you haven't thought about it but that seems to and obviously coming as you well know from you know i'm now in my second business and it's a collaboration you know my previous company was two founders and this one's two founders i i've i've never considered myself either able or wanting to work solely on my own um but a lot of people say collaboration's hard so what, from your perspective, I've, I've got my opinion, makes that, makes that possible? Um, I think, uh, well, I can talk a lot about this, especially with regards to Koto, because co-collaboration is at the absolute core of one of our very core beliefs and has been from day dot. It's how we behave as a team internally, how we work with our clients, how uh, the design and strategy ch- teams actually think in a collaborative form as well. Um, nothing is done in silo. Nothing is done at the merit of, of, of the individual. Um, I can talk much more about that later. But um, for us three, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, we've got both agendas covered off. We've got quite a lot of the age groups covered between myself, James and Joey. We've got different skills and different experiences. We've come from different places and it was never ever something that was conscious. We didn't sit there and map it out. It was as if we kind of, we grouped together and then one day had a little look and went, well, 
look what's happened. We've actually got, dare I say it, this lovely winning formula that I think what happens is that it, it encourages a level of respect and understanding because you can see someone next to you that you trust and mm-hmm. is doing something that you either haven't done before, wouldn't know how to do. So it builds, it just, it, it can't help but build that trust and faith in the other person. And, and also kind of a, a level of resp- individual responsibility, but collective uh, resilience and reliability on, on each other. So it just, yeah. we have to collaborate in that way. Um, and I think that's, again, so, I think that's so nice because that, that, that's, that's someone's, you know, it's that, it's that mutual respect that, that you all bring something to the table, which obviously I think we're going to get into a bit more detail from your point of view as well. But it's, it's also having faith in the fact that you're, you're in it together. Um, but also you're able to help because, you know, it's tough running a business, isn't it? Um, yeah, let, let alone working on numerous different projects on an ongoing basis. It's not like people that are client side that kind of know what they're doing and they've got a long and short-term journey. Us agency people are just going from project to project to project, and but you've got to keep that momentum and that consistent excitement and level of delivery just constantly going, haven't you? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when we first got together, of course, you look um, very consciously at what your own skill set is and what you do need to run a creative business. And you know that you need someone who's, good at numbers or can client service or project manage or get in the detail. You need someone who's a big thinker. You know, you know, you know you need those things that happen, but uh, to make it happen. But I think what's so wonderful with the three of us have very genuinely find ourselves in our own very clear roles. Joey being chief creative officer, James being CEO and myself. Um, it's very clear where we all sit and also where we all overlap. Um, and there's never really a time where I'm not doing something and I'm like, vulnerable moments, what, am I going crazy? Is this right? What do I do? What's your view, viewpoint? You know, it's taking criticism. It's a very, very hard thing. And we have to keep each other accountable and be ready for that criticism. I want to hear it from the boys if I'm not doing something good enough yeah. because I know they'll make me better and that will only yeah. make me happy. Too. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Another another really key point there is the ability or, or the 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 openness to need that level of feedback and appreciate that you constantly need it all of the time, and and yeah. for the people, the recipients of it to be open for that you know feedback or criticism. You know, it, it's it's a constant yeah. thing. I, I really personally anecdote on that we always used to well we do do uh, employee reviews of course um, but we used to do the three of us do them with each other and literally it was, it was my turn I'd be sitting there just looking at them going please don't be don't be too mean don't be too mean I'm gonna cry and it would always the three of us would end up having a cry in of like not in sadness but just like joy or relief or yeah we've got each other and it's you know the funniest little things that you forget as founders or as leaders that actually still have to be that you know that open vulnerable honest person with each other as well so 
No, it's, it's funny you say that, Alex. I had one of those sessions yesterday with my COO and my business partner. And, and I personally kind of, you know, one, I've just been on a long haul flight, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting times from, you know, economies and stuff like that. So I was going into a very tough meeting and, and actually being the, you know, the, you know, admittedly a bit of a control freak as a CEO, you know, I, I like kind of going into meetings prepared and with answers already. And, and I knew I was, wasn't going into that meeting, but what was fantastic about it was we kind of all went in and it was like, it was a three hour session. First hour was kind of just putting everything on the table. Like I said, getting, not, I don't think we got emotional, but just kind of, almost exhausted by how much information we had to process. But then actually all three of us just automatically kicked into all three of our different skill sets and the energy that came out of the next two hours and the, the kind of the, the journey that we'd created, we all kind of were like, wow, it was all we, I think we actually said, we weren't expecting it to go like that at all. <laughs> but it was credit to, uh, to the three of us. That, we we helped each other through that situation, yeah. so I think that's yeah. really good. So let's um, let's get into the next phase now. The 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 like look at you, Caroline, um, oh. because you and I. The whole reason this podcast uh, idea came up was you know when we like yeah you and I meet on a regular basis. Um, we actually as as two founders kind of bounce off each other regularly and just really appreciate the fact that we know and trust each other that we can like literally get together what every two or three months have a lunch download and and usually walk away with with some energy from each other that's like oh god i, I can take that away with me but it was quite interesting because you it's seven years isn't it with Koso? yeah 2015 yeah January so you um god yeah almost similar to us blimey that's mental um, and um, I'm going to learn a lot from this. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, this whole um, idea of the, you know, what you kind of learned about yourself, you know, the being uh, a, a kind of a brand design agency, the two other partners have the design qualifications, and I suppose the obvious day job in the role of a CEO and, and kind of lead creative. But as a CEO, COO, COO, yours is a different thing. And, and you know, let's be kind of open about this. You're, you're the female partner with two other males and, and we all know what us men are like. Um, so how, how's your role evolved how, and, and how's that affected you kind of personally? It's big question. Big question. Yeah, it's enormously, and I'm not, I'm not going to do it justice now, even trying to explain it. I think because I think it's something that I still process every day, um, or I remind myself to process sometimes. But I think to touch on a few things: a, a non-creative in a creative world is a tough gig. Uh, female in a, you know, male-dominated. Uh, world another tough gig um and kind of being able to stand shoulder to shoulder and not just know your worth but actually kind of deliver it as well which is far more important and 
or rather deliver it and know it. You need to, you, those two things need to happen. Um, and communicate that across a full-time, you know, 100 people and then probably freelancers on top of that on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It is hard. And I think there has to be times from a working point of view, a daily working point of view, there has to be times, like all of us, where we go into kind of big thinking, kind of um, either problem solving or strategy or whatever it might be. And then you get right down into the uh, micro level and you send a slack to someone who you saw walk by the office and just looked a bit low. And it's, it's all of those bits that I have to, you know, constantly doing or I'll hear something that's happening over here and I will just be on the way home reminding myself when you get home, make sure that you tell someone in LA that something's happened in Berlin or whatever it is and trying to be that, that thread. That's a massive, massive part of my job. Uh, and I make sure it is because I think for me, it's so important on two levels. Never, ever underestimate the power of communication. I, and it doesn't have to always be positive or, you know, obviously valuable. It's just communication. The biggest stuff can get unearthed and realized just by talking. Um, and now we are a global uh, business that's even more important. And on a personal level, I just love people. And I absolutely love every single person that's at Koto. So why on earth mm. would I want my role to be so insular in that way? Um, but kind of... Go back to uh, something you were saying previously and where I find myself now. I think this is, um, it's not a cliche and it's not a generalization, but, you know, females do suffer far more from, um, oh my God, absolute word has just gone out of my head. Um, oh, um, you feel like you should, imposter syndrome. Oh my yes. God. Yes, right, let's just... I was going to say self-doubt, but yeah, yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah, so it's it, it's a genuine thing. The women, majority, far more, it's a female trait, that we suffer from imposter syndrome, you know, that we're and, and so much... Honestly, not to interrupt you, but I can back that up. Every, every woman that I've approached to do a bod podcast with have reacted in exactly the same way. They've all gone... Really? Oh, well, I'm, I'm not sure. What, what can I talk about? And I'm like, but you've done this, this, and this. And then they go, oh, yeah. And then we get on a kickoff, and suddenly this self-realization, and, and, and that's why some of the best podcasts have actually ended up being with women, because you just get this absolute honest response, but also energy of the realization of, yeah, I, I'm doing this, and I'm achieving it. Which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you you come with that already in place to a certain extent. You come mm. for me as not it, you know my tangible input or or rather the output that it delivers isn't design, isn't creative. You know that's not what people are coming to us to buy. So it's like, what's my role then within that? It's not so obvious. Um, so yeah, it's been a journey of having to feel all of those things, understand my worth. Sometimes, and with our, our scaling, we've all had to slightly change our role and you know what we're responsible for and how we view things uh, to evolve with it. Um, so, my, so that's changed too. And I think it has been personally evolving into this role 
Koto evolving into the, into the size it is and what we do and what we deliver and the quality and value is now undeniable because I can't, I literally can't say we're not doing, we're not winning at this because there's so much that we do so well. Um, and so, yeah, it's now I feel like, I think it was the last time we saw each other, I kind of was feeling, wow, I feel like I really am where... I should be. I can see it. I can feel it. I can. I can tangibly see the value that I bring. And again, I think that's testament to James and Joey as well. You know, the three of us just being really clear uh, with what we all do, and it's very clear that all three things are very vital. And um, it's and for me. I think you've just hit another point there in the fact that it's obviously it's testament to the three of you that the agency's growing. But you've also pointed out another key feature there in the fact that it's understanding how an individual's role develops over growth. Because, and again, speaking speaking from experience, it's very it's really difficult to manage growth. It's exciting, but but the thing for you know, and, and you know, I can only speak to, about myself personally coming from an event background was, you know, I started my, well, I've had several careers, but my main career started in events. And so, well, you know, you, you were at most of them. <laughs> um, they were, it was me, you know, on the ground with Tamsin physically doing stuff. And yeah. the, the, the challenge was we were also enjoying it. And right. what we didn't realize and what we, yeah, I think in the early days, we both got kind of, angry about the need to become more business people yeah. because I enjoyed the work so much. And that must apply to designers as well and creatives for sure, because there is an element of you're a control freak. There is an element of we love getting, you know, rolling our sleeves in and get stuck in. But And also, if you get your recruitment wrong, there's an element of expectation from some people that you should be there mucking in and it, and that's the hard thing from going from startup to grown-up isn't it because there's all of this which i presume falls a little bit onto your shoulders you know with your position because there's some education there yep. of you know you have to take this responsibility on there because we've got to do you know, we've got to evolve and and so you're constantly building your teams to be able to manage and understand that growth so and, and that can, that's just saying that out loud, nobody trains you to do that. <laughs> you, you've got to learn it on the job. <laughs> you totally do. And you also have no real concept or idea of what that's going to feel like or when it's going yeah. to happen. And I, you know, I have always believed, personally and throughout my career, I've always believed that I have been where I needed to be in that given moment, even if it felt uncomfortable, even if it felt, even if it felt too comfortable, th there was a point of going, I am right where I need to be because something's going to shift and I'm ready for it. And I think that's what's happened with what we've done with Koto. Uh, we have a very high retention uh, of our employees, which is amazing. So we've got so many, we've got designers that, that joined us as interns and are now creative directors and absolutely wow. smashing it. Um, and 
It's amazing. And but with that comes all the pain and all of that. And as you said, you know, helping them let go and understanding how they become managers or directors or, um, you know, big thinkers, arguably. Um, and I've also been on that journey. You know, when we very first started, I was doing everything from well, obviously everything from all the finances and all the business side of it, but down to the micromanaging of uh, project managing and client service. And we were joking a moment ago, but I don't really get to get involved in new business at all. I am very aware of everything that is coming in and going out across all the studios. But as me involved as part of the team and, and influencing it, absolutely not. And that is a very strange feeling because all of a sudden, even, you know, that's at the heart, the beating heart of the business is our business. Mm. Is the yeah. I'm not even having this tangible impact on it every single day what's my worth and as a founder as well it's a very odd feeling but actually you just you realize you influence it and you uh, affect it in a, just a different way now you know it's ensuring that everything that happens around it is to the very best quality is as effect effective and as efficient that with you know showing up to all of those meetings and and delivering to that client in the very very best way and you know it's we're like a service model you know there's yeah. something to do with that ultimately they're buying creative work um but we are servicing um a client so that's where but I. They're, but they're buying that output but i've always described the role and correct me if i'm if, if you don't agree with this but if you're not there building the foundations agencies end up building decks of cards basically yeah. and yeah. and and so a client expects there to be this professional level always there no matter what and yeah. and so like you said you're okay you might not be in the room brainstorming the creative idea but you're definitely in the background looking at how's that going to land who's going to work on it how's that going to split you know if it's a global brief how does it balance between the different territories and, and all of that sort of thing so you know and that's that's the pressure i always put on my coo it's like i'm going to go over there and 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 work yeah. with whoever on the vision and strategy but oh my god you better be ready for this <laughs> and that's um, true and that's been the premise of how we've set up the new studios as well i mean obviously we want all the studios to um have the same level of quality and uh, this the right level you know of culture and values but actually it gets down to you know the systems we put in um the processes we put in the hiring that we do and the and the obviously the the cultural fit and the value alignment that we look for uh the training that we do there's so much i mean we work with training partners that might be based in the uk but they offer across all of our studios so the workshops that the teams are exposed to whether they be something that's directly required to be working here or something that's just of interest they all exposed to you know our tech stack is is the same across all the business uh, so if we're communicating we're all communicating on slack or we're all looking at hr models within humans or uh, or you know working within a in a, an environment like notion everything so we can see each other each other and we're all back to your point collaborating together are accountable together and supporting each other, whatever, even if it is in a piece of software, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. 
it's kind of segues into my next question beautifully though, because it's like, again, going back to you, we'll talk about Koto more in a sec, but we both talked about the, the kind of the challenges and responsibility of people in our positions to be able to evolve with the growth of the business. And then you've just talked about what sounds like a very, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Sensible and proactive set of systems for training. But how have you trained yourself? You know, have you, have you, cause we talked about this, didn't we? And you, you and I have different views because, you know, I, I do know, well, more on my career development side, I know what I would class as a mentor. I think you're more on the kind of, I've had a series of maybe influencers or something yeah. like that. So, and, and I know you've also been on some really interesting kind of very different types of, um, well, I don't want to even call them courses because they haven't necessarily found like courses, but how have you, how have you educated yourself on your journey? Uh I think I've always been comfortable with being vulnerable with what I have known or haven't known. I've been quite, I'm really comfortable to kind of ask questions, ask for help, especially in the early days. You know, it's, it's absolutely fine to know, to, to be able to admit you've never done this before and go to yeah. the experts and ultimately go help me um but as soon as i've had that knowledge i've been very happy sharing it with someone else who by that also has some amazing experience and knowledge that i can then get i mean going back to what we were talking about and how when we meet up and the stuff that we share so this openness and um absolute belief in you know this isn't rocket science we're not i'm not c coming up with some great secrets here it's like we're we can all work together to make uh make this good and learn from each other so that has been a general uh belief or general way of being actually, that's that's the power of the network isn't it because i was talking to somebody else uh recently and they were they're they're going on a kind of a new career path and they were quite scared about it but after and this happened to me as well about four weeks of talking to their network and their friends, they didn't realize until then just how much um, uh, resource and education was right in front of them. Um, and that's kind of, that's why you and I meet, isn't it? We, we, we meet as friends, but we get, we end up talking a lot about work because we end up, you know, you immediately, not you, but we immediately download, I don't know, the thing that's either stressing us out or pissing us off. And, usually one of us has got an answer or a previous example. So that's that's really important, isn't it? And also shows kind of how, I suppose, the modern way of learning about running businesses, especially in our industry, is you, you can't necessarily, yeah, I know you can go to university and study events, but everybody that, that does that says what they learn at university seems nothing like the kind of the real world. And the geography is free. I mean, what's that got to do for anything? I mean, really, let's just put that to one side. I've got that. I've taught myself how to apply myself. There we go. Gracious. Well, that's the global setup of the business. At least you know where Australia is. <laughs> exactly. Although my friends would argue not if they asked me any questions about geography. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, that's fair. I love uh, but it's true. I think your point about calling them influencers is absolutely spot on. Um, and 
that's why if someone said, you know, who has been your biggest, biggest inspiration? Um, I don't really have that. I've never really had that. Um, I've had a lot of people who have come into my life at the most amazing time and have influenced me, and I hope I have for them too. And there are other times I've come across where they have had a more formal title as a mentor or a coach, or I've been on courses, and I've thrown myself into that to see what that journey would look like. And it's all had, de- you know, varying degrees of, of worth, I guess. Well, it's all been worthwhile, um, but, you know, some slightly more. Um, and I think that that's definitely just how I view my learning and training journey I mean without this sounding a utter cliche I will say though that my two biggest mentors or inspiration are James and Joey you know it's because there is this incredible equality between the three of us and then me looking at them on this big plinth that I put them on and what they can teach me you know so it yeah. works yeah, no, that's brilliant. So, um, look, talked a lot about you, which is great, and understand your kind of journey. Let's let's dive back into Koto. And like we've said is, you know, and I, hand on heart, I'm very jealous, and I want to learn how the hell has Koto managed to just expand the way it's expanded? You know, you're... You, you know, you're what? You're in London, Berlin, New York, Los Angeles, and yeah, you're now heading to Australia. We've opened in Sydney, yeah. Yeah, and is that it? Or is well, that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right now, the time zones are enough. I mean, we're yeah. literally it can be. Like, yeah, you know, let's just let's yeah, you've you've stuck your business partners on a pedestal. We know you're you're create you're a creative genius set of yeah, companies. But if it's your responsibility, I'm gonna stress you out now, if it's your responsibility to set the foundations for all of that, it's like how you know, like we've only just kind of moved out to the US three three or four years ago. And and I know what that takes. So and and you you haven't moved. I know I know you fly a lot and stuff like that. But how's that expand? How do you feel that expansion has been so successful? Uh, we we haven't been scared of the risk. Everything is a risk. Everything is open to failure. Absolutely everything. But actually, we go into everything with the mindset that we're going to succeed. And along the way, what that journey to success looks like, we don't know. And if at any point we are, we can see that it's, it's, there's the, there's a possibility of, um, not reaching whatever standard of success that we wanted to, then we will then put something in place to de-risk, undo. It's not about, I mean, what, if you really think about it, what is failure? I mean, you really have to yeah. have, do something kind of intentionally wrong, in a way, I want to say. I mean, you have to systematically continue to do the same thing badly time and time again to truly fail. Because even something that in the cold, hard day is a failure because it didn't reach what you first set out there's something in there that can be re you know reworked i mean if we decided for whatever reason or we felt we needed to 
close down one of the studios or re you know change our our business model in such a way and um you know look at how we deliver projects in a very different way there will be a um there'll be something that has initiated that and it's looking at what that initiation has been about that you know kind of breaking it down to see what was us or what was the market or what was, you know, what was the influence on that and then reorganizing it to back into the whatever form of success is. You know, I don't think success should ever be measured on scale or, you know, it, scale and money. Yes, they're the two big things, aren't they? But there's, so, you know, success is much, much more, there's much more important things than that. Um, but us opening studios definitely has been, we can see the opportunity. The only reason for not doing it is us. So, and, and I know this from having watched you, but also, you know, you did some of our very first brand design right back in the beginning. And, and what's, what you can see immediately and understand from you guys is you stick to exactly what you believe in, don't you? You're very clear. And you said, you told me that earlier, even with your clients, you're like, this is how we work. If you want us to be successful, you have to appreciate our way of working because it, would you, and this is only relevant because I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading up on productization right now. And, and, and so obviously it's my theme, theme of the week. Uh, but would you say that you've managed to kind of not only productize what Koto offers to its clients, but you've also managed to productize your infrastructure. So when you say we're going to open it, it's like you, know, you said, we're opening in Australia. And I was kind of like, oh my God, you know, that I'm sure it does put the fear into everybody. But, but you, you then just listed through very easily. Oh, and I was kind of like, oh my God, what are you, and you were like, oh, we've already done this. We've done that. We're going to do, and it was like, oh my God, it just rolled. So would you say productization is, is probably the core to that? You know what you do and you know how offices work well. Or yes. people work well, sorry. Let's not label it yeah. the building. I, yeah, I agree. I, that's definitely right. And I think you there become there comes a point with scale and size where you ultimately have to do that because yeah. you have to put the structures in place um, in order that people understand how to do something, what they're doing, why they're doing it, what it looks like, what expectation is, um, what success looks like, all of those things. So you have to kind of build in some of that, that thinking into, into all of it. Um, I think, you know, when we think about studios, um, we know how to set up a studio from a legal and tax and employment point, point of view. There are local laws. You just abide by them. You set it up. And then we know the people that really uh, succeed here at Koto and, and the people that, you know, that we work within our, within our Koto world. And it takes a huge amount of time and a huge amount of effort to find those people. And then when you do, it's it, it, it they're locked in and then you just keep building from the, from those core pieces. We won't ever cut corners. We won't ever uh, go second best. Um, and that's what we look at, you know, with ourselves as well as the work that we deliver. 
um, and we stand accountable for all of that. The only time that what we do do is we'll never force a particular formula, let's say, upon any of our clients or, or force a very single way of thinking. Um, you can't. Creativity yeah. is so unpredictable. Yeah. It is so vast. You don't, you don't formalize the creative process necessarily, but you do formalize the infrastructure um, and then, and you can't formalize this, but you then do have, like any good business, you have your own culture, don't you? And I think you said, so when you do set up in a different territory, you do always send over a few people to be part of that setup so that you're basically, only because I made bread at the weekend, uh, but you know, you've got your, I don't know if anybody else knows how to make, but you've got your starter. And so you're always, you know, even though you're starting with a fresh set of ingredients, you're putting your starter into that, you know, that territory to make sure it's coming from all the same place. Sorry about the terrible analogy, yeah. but. And that, and that has absolutely happened. It's predominantly, it's been the creative talent that has gone out there. We've you know, got visas, they've moved, relocated, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, but it has been across the board and we've moved people around studios who've wanted to, obviously wanted to move. Um, Sydney's a slightly harder thing. It's just on the other side of the world and and we're being very, um, conscious of how we do that and we're finding the right people to build out that you know that leadership team and then we'll then go right now how do we inject the Koto culture and the Koto uh, quality and craft that we need that then builds it out so it kind of still it absolutely feels a part of the overall group um, yeah and it's, it's a constant thing we all think about Great. Um, look, this this was all. Uh, we've got a couple more questions left because uh, we're we're running out of time, and I knew we well we always can end up, which is why we have to do it over lunch because we talk so much. But the the uh, just the final bit before I finish on kind of your story again is just a little bit on brand building because that that's what you guys do. You know, that's at your core. Has it evolved over the years? You know, all everybody talks about in our industry is the, the constant change, you know, over the last four years, all this bloody technology, and we're all going to lose our jobs because of AI. And, you know, there's this constant kind of monitoring, especially for what our agency does. You have to be on the current trend. You do have to understand the technology and stuff like that. But how's it affected the world of brand building or... Or does do all the core principles still apply? What, what's what's Koto's view on that? Um, the very simple answer is all the core principles still apply. You know, mm. brand brand, um, and how you um, deliver brand and implement it and let it live is is obviously its success. But I think. Of course, what we do, um, not only are we always looking at what is around the corner and we have a huge, you know, huge amount of insights that we share within the overall team globally. Um, and that is, you know, that keeps us future, uh, proof. But an awful lot of our, the clients that are coming to us are those startups, are those ones that are disrupting what's going on. So we're literally sometimes learning it on the job, which is an, an incredible privilege at times for the team 
whereby they can cut, sit in a room and go, well, I had the wealth of experience and knowledge in this room on brand and across many different sectors is undeniable but we're going to lean in on this and we're you're going to be teaching us but we're going to come to this with all the naivety and none of the um you know assumptions or presumptions that maybe we would have come to if it was something we'd done before and we're going to see it in its truest form and be able to unpick things and see the challenges that are at play for you today but ultimately for the brand that we're building for you for the next five ten years so it it there's an incredible thing that happens at that moment in time but i think overall how has brand building changed i think Businesses, you know, exec leadership board, uh, uh, they understand the relevance of brand so much more now. It is brand is, uh, is uh, you know, the value of brand is seen and they know. I mean, so many of the startups literally come to us and go, we've just had you know, X million uh, investment put into us. We've been told we have to spend 5% on it on our brand. We've told that we should be coming to see you plus what do we do? And they will come not knowing very much about brand because they've come from a very different background and probably it might be their first uh, uh, rodeo, as it were, on doing this type of thing. But it's not, it's across the whole full ecosystem of whether it's investors or brand builders or business owners or, you know, huge big companies that have been going for many, many years, they understand the relevance of brand. What they don't get so well is... Well, what is that? Is it a logo? Is it some colour and some font and some, you know, what does that mean? What are you going to give me? And I think whereby, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was, you know, media went crazy when big companies like Royal Mail spend millions of pounds on a new, uh, uh, got a new logo and it's cost millions of pounds. And it's like, that's it. Logo equals this amount of money. And that was, that's your brand. That's all changed now. But the, sophistication of really understanding what the value the brand can unlock and also how to purchase it is still not there, which is why we are going back to your previous point about productization. We're doing a lot of that and try and educate our clients by saying to them, yes, you, we, you're coming to us for brand, but we are going to, it's not about us creating a new identity and a new strategy and a new brand book or a guideline for you to then go to your advertising agency or your product team and go, here we go, and just let them roll it out. We can do all of that. So we actually build it all out within your whole ecosystem. So what you're saying immediately going is, this is what it's going to do in product. This is what it's going to do in customer service and our employee brand within our advertising and marketing within our you know whatever it might be um or you know packaging i mean it's, it's across everything and if we're splitting it all out and making it much more tangible then you know client teams are understanding a how to purchase it understand the value but also understand how to implement it and ensure that it's it's, you know, it's fit for purpose for the next five, ten years and hopefully won't be costing millions of pounds either. Uh, well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? We're, uh, and that's probably a very relevant thing to start winding down on because that's the biggest challenge that's happened over the last ten years is the budgeting has changed. Yeah. But the requirements, like you said, you know, 
people used to chuck millions at just an identity. Now they've got probably a million to just do everything. Everything. And then, so that is where the role of an agency like yours, well, like all agencies now, are having to understand the whole spectrum, aren't they? It, it's it's like you know there there's because this is the thing you know we 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 work with various different types of businesses ranging from big startups to large existing companies and and the thing that we see is like for instance well two things actually which is relevant to you is whenever somebody comes to us for um you know uh, a live marketing brief we, you know, and the reason it's live marketing is it's not just a physical event it's it's have that brand experience across a lot of different channels mm-hmm. we then go to these beautifully you know millions of pounds being spent on this brand manual and you know it covers content and yeah headed note paper i'm exaggerating to make a point <laughs> but there's never anything in there for live and it's like, well, how does this thing work? You know, how do you want us? And, and they're like, oh, you know, the, the those brand agencies didn't think of that. And and that's why I suppose, like you said, the basis of brand building, the, the, the yeah, hasn't changed, but the execution and yep. the channels are changing on an ongoing basis, aren't they? Totally. So we'll spend a huge amount of time at the beginning of even a a, a client commission that hasn't even. Uh, being signed off, and that's it is all about giving them the knowledge and the tools to either for themselves or for their board or for their investor to be able to go. This is why it, this is why we need to do this, and this is what is going to deliver over the uh, maturity of of this you know, of the of the brand and kind and being able to say, um, you know. Right now, we don't have a product team, but by God, we've got a product, and by God, we've got a brand that is going to, you know, is going to launch um, in in the way that it's going to uh, be able to survive for the next few years. Um, and again, you know, even on that that point, you know, they're starting at brass tacks. They've got a small team. If we can answer all of the parts that they need in order to uh, that launch that that business, um, there's a huge amount of money saved on building their own internal teams um, because we're doing it for them as part of the brand work. Interesting, yeah. God, it's exciting, isn't it? It's um, And and like you said, always something different to consider. Yeah, anyway, yeah. final question. Yeah. Um, uh, going back to you, because um, I was, yeah, the whole reason I uh, yeah, wanted to do this podcast is now I'm going to take notes and figure out how I go as global as you have. Um, so uh, I hope you've advised as well. But um, but this, you know, for you personally, you know, you've you've been doing this role for a certain amount of years. You've been on this own personal journey. You've kind of found yourself and and constantly evolved. How have you personally kind of, I suppose, stayed authentic and relevant in? All of this change around you, and and what what advice would you give to other people like you know, like me? You know, and, and I think this is kind of I, th- I hope I'm right in saying this because we talked about the role of women in the workplace, but also I think the role of everybody in the workplace is under question. Like I'm challenged as you know, 
uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an aging male. <laughs> and so I'm always trying to think, you know, what is my role and what, why am I relevant and why am I authentic? So advise me, Caroline. Give oh, me God. your... <laughs> the, fir the first answer I want to go to is, you know, it's become so personal, which is like, I can only show up as myself. Uh, you know, I... that I. Well, something's just come but that relates to the but that's right though because that relates to the imposter syndrome, isn't it? Is totally and it totally does and it and it relates to the fact of going for me going what's happening now or okay be vulnerable let's ask for those questions let me help you I want to be, I want to be helping I want you to need me you know all of these things is to do with relationships and all of that which I personally find is just uh, so rewarding um, but I think. It's reminded me of something actually, and I used to be in advertising, and one of the biggest battles that I felt within that particular industry, and especially client service, was development was all to do with, uh, you need to be more like this person in meetings, or to get your promotion, look at this person, or you know, you need to dress like this, or when you client service, this is the way to do it, and actually, that's what I could, I just, it, it, I couldn't do any of that. And once I found a place, still within advertising, but once I found a place where I had the autonomy and I had the ownership and I walked into a meeting room and my clients saw me and I saw them and whatever the problem or challenge was going to be, we were going to fix it because that's all we were, were people in a the room there for the same common goal. It unlocked so much for me. And it's kind of, and this is what we do here. It's, Giving people autonomy uh, is a very, very tricky thing because for some, it's like, I'm just delegating all my stuff, isn't it? No. For others, it's like, okay, but can you also tell me what you expect from me when I'm doing it? And then once I've done it, can you tell me what that is? And it is a very, very subtle and nuanced thing to give people autonomy. And you have to, you have to encourage it and, and be sensitive to it and 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 keep an eye on people but once it's unlocked the power that comes out as those individuals and also that mutual respect or and going right back to collaboration you are all in this together um because you all know we're all in, on the same bone we're all in that same um kind of have that same autonomy and so it's also it's like you know i have once you have high expect the expectations I have of myself, I have of the people around me, and the people around me that have the same expectations of me, and together we just inspire and encourage, and that's it. It's just, um, yeah. I think that's brilliant because yeah, you know that's a great response because one, it's simple, but it just I I, I could do a whole other podcast with you on that because. That relates to what makes a good client is why why employ an agency if you're going to stand over them, criticize what they're doing, and question how they're doing it. Yeah. Why you know find an agency that you there's chemistry and there's a level of respect. Yeah. And then collaborate and have faith in each other. So we have three core beliefs uh, at Koto. And they are optimism, co-collaboration, and craft. And the three are so clearly identified and clearly felt and work so perfectly together. We have all three in abundance. And with the co-collaboration, it isn't, 
you know, clients are so much more creatively savvy. Also, it's enjoyable for them. And this is about us not coming and going, we've got the answer. We've got the answer. You just need to just listen to us. This is about, there's going to be lots of answers. And some of them are going to be scary and some of them are going to be big. Um, and together, we're going to collaborate each step of the way uh, and we're going to do this together. And there'll be a point of handoff and we're going to do ourselves out of a job and you are going to continue with this. Um, and so we collaborate on every single level. We work out very early on within that client relationship how that client wants to collaborate. You know, everyone wants to do it the same way. So we are very careful to go, okay, what's it look like in this instant? Um, it allows us then to come up with those big ideas, you know, deliver our craft, sweat the detail, make sure that they believe in us right until the very end so it doesn't get completely watered down at implementation and you go, first presentation looked like this, and now it looks like this, because they're with us all the way and it, and it comes out as big as it was ever meant to be. Um, and then optimism, you know, change is a very hard thing for everyone. And what we're ultimately doing, we're change makers. And so not only are we optimistic about what we're going to change. But as individuals, the work we do is, you know, has a lot of optimism. We're optimistic people, just going back to, you know, not being risk adverse and not, you know, understanding what success and failure looks like. It's very much part of our, of our mindset. So, yeah, that's oh, all. Caroline, I knew this would be a great one. Um, thank you so much uh like i said i don't care what anybody else thinks uh, at least i've got my uh, my education for the next three months <laughs> i'm going to take this straight into my company meeting tomorrow i might just press play and, and leave it <laughs> um you're a star thank you very much Mike. Um, it's been a pleasure it's brilliant and if anybody that listens to this hasn't go check out koto because the work they do is phenomenal um, and we love them. Um, I will see you, I was about to say, I'll see you in a bar at some time, which is a bad representation, but. very <laughs> fair. Cheers. Thanks very much, Caroline. Bye-bye. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, I know I did. Uh, hopefully if you did, please like and share. And also if you want to become part of our community, uh, please subscribe to our platform, uh, Lively Fresh Take. Thanks so much and goodbye.